Hey, I'm Paul. And I'm Christian. Welcome to I'm Dying to Tell You, inspiration shared by our mom who is dying from ALS. There is no cure for our mom or anyone else with ALS. But right now, she's on a mission to find and share stories of inspiration. Coming to you from Cincinnati, Ohio, we're happy to introduce the one lady we've both loved since the first day we laid eyes on her. The queen of the queen city, our mom, your host, Lori. Oh my gosh, thank you to Paul and Christian, my two sons, for that great intro. You know, I always thought that I would create a new intro every season, but man, I just can't let go of that one. So yes, I am Lori, your host of I'm Dying to Tell You, and thank you for being here. This is episode 48. It is the last episode of season two. So it's been two years since I started this podcast, and oh my, it has been so fulfilling and such a blessing to meet and talk to so many people who are bursting with inspiration and just have unique stories to share with the world. So I'm just so thankful for all of them and all of you for being with me on this journey. So thank you, thank you. For this episode, the last one of season two, I thought it would be fun to do another Ask Me Anything episode. I did this earlier in season one, and it got a lot of love, and I got more questions that I can answer. So I'm going to pick up on a couple of those that I didn't get to, and then new ones that just came in. Okay, so I put a note out and asked for questions about anything. So let's see what you came up with. Oh, before we get started, if by any wild chance you are chiming in for the very first time, just let me tell you real quick. I started this podcast two years ago to find and share stories of inspiration because I am outliving my two to five year death sentence of ALS. And so many people, so many things have lifted me up over the past 18 years that I've been living with ALS. And I was just moved to create this podcast and share stories of inspiration. ALS is a terminal disease that doesn't have a cure. And typically, it takes the life of the person in a quick two to five years. I'm just so lucky to be here and to be able to answer your questions. So I'm going to start with some easy ones. (laughs) I actually got a list of questions from Julie. And I'm going to take a few of those and use that as a warm up because they're pretty easy. So, all right, let me get started. All right, first question here from Julie. Okay, what movie can you watch over and over without getting tired of? Pretty Woman. (laughs) I love that movie and, you know, just an oldie but a goodie and 
Just a feel-good movie that is just so fun. Okay, what was the last photo you took? I have to check my phone, actually. All right, that was actually a screenshot of my mom. My sister is with my mom tonight, and my mom's having a bad night and was crying. So my sister called me to see if I could help cheer her up. And uh, I just screenshotted the picture of my mom. It was so sweet. Yeah, okay, that was the last photo. (laughs) The last few are actually of my mom. Okay, this is funny. The question actually is, what do you think you are much better at than you actually are? What do you think that you are much better at than you actually are? And (laughs) when I saw that commit, I was like, hmm, I don't know. And my husband was sitting right there and I said, hey, Paul, what do you think that I think (laughs) that I am much better at than I actually am? And he immediately said, cooking? (laughs) I laughed so hard. Okay, it's not that I'm bad at cooking. It's that cooking is really, really hard for me now because I have very limited use in my hands and my fingers. I just have a really hard time opening things and, you know, moving heavy things around. And so you will not find me cooking very often. So I don't know if that's what he meant or (laughs) if he meant what I do cook or I did cook. And it was really, really bad. Uh, hmm, I don't know. Okay, and this last question from Julie. What is a bad habit you wish you could change? I don't know if it's a habit or a trait, but I would say I procrastinate always, 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 always. And I wish I could change that. And no matter what I do, I still continue to procrastinate. So yeah, that's the one thing. Bad habit or trait, if I could actually change it, I would be super, super happy. Now, I got a lot of questions about ALS or me and ALS, which is perfect. Uh, But I'm going to go ahead and put all those together and do those right now. Okay, this question is from Sean. She says, as a friend, we can see outward effects of ALS, but what are the internal effects, mentally or physically, that we can't see? Ah, I like that question. Okay, for me, so I know that people look at me and they're like, oh, you're doing really, really good, which I am. My weakness is still in my hands, my arms, a little bit of atrophy in my legs. But the worst atrophy that I probably have is in my diaphragm. And you can't see that. You know, I sleep with a ventilator at night. I sleep about 10 hours every night. And I use that ventilator every night uh, the whole time I'm sleeping. And so I guess that's something that, you know, is obviously a struggle, but you can't physically see that. I have a feeding tube in place. I don't use it yet because I'm still able 
to swallow and eat on my own without choking. But I got that put in, I think about five years ago, because my diaphragm was so weak that the doctors wanted to be proactive and not take any risk with anesthesia in order to do the procedure down the road. So as far as mental challenges, I would say the fact that ALS is in the forefront of so many thoughts, so many times of every day. It's kind of hard to explain, but it is always there. The fact that I have ALS, I feel like I'm living on limited time. It's just always there. Okay, I hope that answers your question. Okay, here's one from Michelle. And she asks, do you like people to ask, how are you doing with your ALS or just enjoy time together? Honestly, both. Yeah, no, I feel like less people ask me about ALS than I would expect because I feel like they don't want to bother me about it or that it will be upsetting. And neither of them are true. I really don't mind answering the question, you know, how am I doing? I really don't even get asked that very much. Or just hang out. I like that too. I've talked to a lot of people, actually a lot of guests over the past couple of years that have said they just want their old friends to come around and hang out and do what they used to do, talk about what they used to talk about, you know, kind of like old times. And they don't want to be treated any differently because they have ALS. Of course, they are probably physically limited than they were, but they still want to live in what was normal in that relationship as much as they can. And I definitely, definitely agree. You know, I don't want my friends to treat me any differently or to leave me out of something because they think I can't keep up or, (laughs) you know. Yeah, so to answer your question, Michelle, I would say both. Okay, and kind of along the same line, this question is from Kathleen. And she's asking, what is the best gift we can give to someone that has been diagnosed with ALS? Not talking in terms of material things. What do they need most from the people around them? And she says, I offer my time, money for trips. I want to help in whatever way possible. I know they don't want to ask for help either. As someone living with ALS, I would say time. Time, time, time. Your time. And it doesn't have to be like physically coming over here, sitting here with me for three hours. It could be calling me. I know a lot of people don't talk on the phone much anymore. When someone picks up the phone and calls me or answers my call, 
just, you know, catches up that way. That means so much. I know everyone is so busy and a lot of us, you know, like to text when they actually talk and all that. But um, it's just good old fashioned contact and time, I think, is the absolute best gift. And Kathleen, it sounds like you have someone in your life that has ALS and that you're such a good friend, you know, reaching out and trying to figure out what would be good for them. So thank you so much for that. Oh, and on that note, I interviewed Brad Aronson. He wrote the book Humankind, and he wrote the book when his wife was born through leukemia, and then so many people did all these great things for them to help them through their journey. He wrote about that and then wrote about other people and experiences that they witnessed that ended up changing their life in some way. But one of the things Brad said that has stuck with me, he said that the best gifts were when people didn't ask, what do you need? What can I do for you? That kind of thing. Because he had so much going on with taking care of his wife that he didn't even know what he needed. So he noticed that there were people who didn't ask. They would just say, hey, we're going to Whole Foods tonight. We're going to go pick up some food. What can we get you from Whole Foods? Or his one friend who said, I'm going to make sure your son is on the same little league team as my son so that I can take care of transportation for your son and take that off your plate. And I just love that so much that, you know, I I find myself doing that. What can I do? Let me know what I can do. And then you really don't hear much. And it's because that person just doesn't know. So yeah, I like that. Again, Kathleen, thank you for having such a big heart. And if you see something, I would say, just go ahead and do it. Okay, these are some good questions. Uh, Thank you all for for sending them in. Okay, this is from CA. And they ask, what have you done that helped you live with ALS for 17 years? And where are your health and abilities at currently? Okay, the first part of that question, what have I done to live this long with ALS? Of course, I can't say exactly why my case is so slow, but I will say that I have continued to be as active as possible in a safe, safe manner for the past, now it's been 18 years. I've shared before that When I was first diagnosed, one of the doctors I saw said, do not exercise, do not exercise. And I didn't for a year. And I felt so bad that I finally decided to go ahead and do what I felt comfortable with. And then I just haven't stopped. You know, I don't do anything crazy. I walk with a walker. In the neighborhood, if I'm going to walk for a long time, I do the recumbent bike, but I just stay active. 
And I have also just managed to focus on the positive. So my little personal opinion, those two things, in addition to the fact that I get really good sleep at night. For me, I feel like those all have been really, really good. And then um, the second part of the question, my health and abilities. I think I've pretty much talked about my current state, you know, what's affected. So I can still do most things. I can still drive. I, I cannot lift my arms above my head. So my husband helps me with my hair and, you know, anything that I would need above my head. So right now I'm really lucky in that I still do have a lot of independence. You know, I can still do a lot on my own. Okay, this question is from someone else living with ALS. Uh, This is from Gene. He says, I have a question. How can a person with ALS express to a loved one the need for intimacy without sounding needy? He says, I don't mean sex, but just touch, holding hands, cuddling, etc. As our bodies start to deteriorate, we lose the ability to feel, to touch, and to feel being touched. It says the clock is ticking, and time will take it all away, and we will be here, but not feel this experience anymore. I feel like you just did a really good job within that question, expressing what you want and why. And I know and I can imagine how tired everyone in the household is with someone with ALS. Caregiving, living with ALS, they're both really, really hard and suck your energy right out. So I think communicating is the key and sharing your feelings and sharing, you know, what's going through your head, you know, just like any relationship is. So, so important because when you hold things inside, you know, that you want, it just escalates and creates tension. And so that would be my, my recommendation to you. Thanks for asking that and putting that out there. Okay. I don't know why I didn't write down the name to this question, but the question was, How does my ALS diagnosis affect my children? So when I was diagnosed, my children were 11 and 13. Now they are 29 and 31. Looking back over the past 18 years, I would say that my diagnosis has shown them how to handle adversity. And they both are just amazing young men who are independent and are caring and, and you know, really try to be very purposeful with their time and their attention. They both put family as a priority and just really good young men and I just couldn't be more proud so 
I think that, of course, that was my number one worry when I was diagnosed was how my diagnosis was going to affect them. But they've been amazing. I actually interviewed them in episode 13 about their Kids for Cure mission that they started when I was first diagnosed. And now they've raised over a million dollars for ALS research. And it's just taught them so, so much about compassion and doing for others. If you haven't heard it and you want to know more, check out that. It's episode 13, Kids for a Cure. Okay, I think I got through all the ALS questions. All right, I have a few personal ones. Someone is asking me, you talk to so many inspiring people. How do you find your guest? Yeah, so, well, it's a variety of ways. Some people are in my ALS community that I know from doing advocacy work or being involved in I am ALS or something like that, or someone I see on social media and I am inspired by what they're doing. So I follow them for a while and if they really, really touch my heart, then I go ahead and I reach out and I invite them on. Once in a while, I'll get a recommendation from someone, from a friend, or from another guest. So on that note, if there is someone that you follow that you think I might enjoy as well, uh, please let me know on social media or send me an email at I'm dying to tell you podcast at gmail.com. Okay, yeah. Cheryl asks, what are you doing when you're not podcasting? Right now, in this season, I am spending time with my mom. I mentioned before, my mom, my mom has dementia, and she is an end-stage liver disease. So if I'm not working on podcast stuff, I am spending time with my mom. Okay, got a few more questions. So Carrie asks, what are you currently worrying about? That's easy. My mom. Dementia is hard. I mean, I, uh, especially in the last couple of years, it's just been really, really hard. And uh, it's heartbreaking. And so, yeah, that's the number one thing that I worry about right now today. This question is from Andrew, and he asked, what was the highlight of 2021? I think Christmas 2021 was the highlight for me. We were really uncertain that our family was going to be together for Christmas because my oldest son and his girlfriend live in New York and they had COVID, and they didn't want to come into the house unless they tested negative. So it wasn't until Christmas Eve, they got a negative test, they were feeling better, and they ended up flying in on 
late on Christmas Day and stay in for a week. It actually worked out. My other son was here a few days alone on the front side. And then my oldest son and his girlfriend were here a few days alone on the end. And so we got to spend some quality one-on-one time with each of them. So it worked out. But I was so, so happy and so grateful that we were all able to be together. I got one more question. All right. This is from Sabrina, and she is asking, what are you looking forward to in 2022? Well, besides every single day (laughs) that I wake up, um, I'm looking forward to so much. Really hoping to be able to travel a little more. And one thing we have planned, and I'm really hoping it happens, is that My husband and I and my sons are supposed to go to Ireland. And a really cool thing is that I interviewed our good friends, Wars and McCumber, the Americana duo that I interviewed. I think it was episode nine. And we are actually going to Ireland with them. I mentioned in the interview that they do these really fun tours with their fans and yeah so we're gonna go to Ireland and then be able to go to some pubs with Moors of McCumber and hear them sing oh it's gonna be really really cool so fingers crossed that that trip actually happens and then I'm just looking forward to more of the podcast and meeting more incredible people along this journey, keep fighting against adversity, and look for the positive in every single day. Thank you guys so, so much for the great questions. I really appreciate you to come up with the questions and send them over. If you have a question in the future, send it over anytime. Thank you so much for hanging in there, and I hope you will all listen in to season three. I'm so excited that you guys are here with me, and I really, really appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to connect on social media, you can find me pretty much everywhere at I'm Dying to Tell You podcast, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and TikTok, all at I'm Dying to Tell You podcast. Hey, thank you for being so awesome. Until next time, know you are loved and not alone. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to our mom. Make sure to visit her website at imdyingtotellyoupodcast.com where you'll find photos and show notes about this episode. If you liked the show, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend. Thank you.